mentioned is uh, part of our outreach really uses like our uh, way of reaching out to the gospel, and uh, it's sort of just one step in uh, making friendships and uh, getting to know people in the area. So if you would like to be part of that, then giving towards us chocolates is a way of doing that. It's just a way of uh, uh, saying thank you. We want to bless people in the area, as a church. And as a way of saying thank you for doing that survey. So that's why we're, we're doing it that way. So that's the, the gift day on, some, on, on Christmas Day will be go towards uh, that project. Just let me give you an update as well um, regarding Bruce, uh, Bruce Pearson, being an elder. We invited Bruce to become an elder starting the last. Um, Saturday last December, September rather, and he agreed to that. But since then, it's, it's become clear that with his studying for his master's degree, uh, together with his real work responsibilities and leading a growth group, it's meant that realistically he doesn't have time to fully carry out that role of being an elder. With all of that entails, we, we've talked about this with him and we've prayed about this with him. And we've agreed that now, that now is not the right time for him to continue in that role as an elder. So, so Bruce has stopped being an elder, at least for this period at least, so that he can really devote his, his, his energies to his studies and to his other ministries. So uh, thank, we thank God for him and uh, keep, keep him in prayer and uh, continue to pray for him in all that he does. So let's uh, turn to... The Bible and to God's Word. And we're going to look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, Matthew, verse 18. Sorry, 25. So Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found a child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. And while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name, Jesus. I don't know if that man pray, but let me just pray as well. Thank you for God's help. 
Lord, we've just been uh, singing about lifting up our eyes to you. And we need to do that now, Lord. And we need your Holy Spirit to help us to do that. Lord, we pray that this time of Advent would be a time when people would lift their eyes to Jesus. And their eyes would be caused to lift to him through us. Lord, help us, we pray, in this. Both that we might have our eyes fixed on Jesus, but Lord, we might be used by you to help other people see who Jesus is. Through our testimony, through our lives, through how we live. So Lord, bless this to us now, we pray. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. Speak to our wills, we pray. In Jesus' name. Well, well, this morning we're going to think about someone in the Christmas story who is often overlooked, somebody who is in the shadows. At one Christmas nativity practice, a boy chosen to be Joseph was really being really naughty and uh, misbehaving, was making a real nuisance of himself. So finally, the teacher said to him, because he was so naughty, he couldn't be Joseph in the play, but he was going to be the innkeeper, which meant that he wouldn't have much to say. In fact, he only had one word, one, sorry, one sentence to say, I'm sorry, there's no room to So this little boy, he was really, really upset. Wasn't pleased at all. Protested, but the, the teacher stuck to the guns. Made him the innkeeper. The night came for all of the mums and dads and aunties and uncles and all the friends to be at the nativity. And Mary and the new boy who was taking the part of Joseph came to the door of the inn and they knocked. And the little boy playing the innkeeper opened the door and, and they said, Mary, come in. And the little boy stood and looked at them and didn't say anything. So they knocked a second <coughs> and said, Mary, come in. But the boy still didn't say anything. He folded his arms and he looked at The mums and dads looked at each other and smiled. There's music. And then for a third time, Mary and Joseph knocked again and said, Mary, come in. Please, Mary, we come in. And the little boy with his arms folded said, Well, she can, but he can't. <laughs> and Joseph is actually often left out. He, he tends to be the forgotten one. He's, he's sort of the big part player in the nativity play, isn't he? Sort of the one who accompanies Mary to Bethlehem. And we, we do speak of them as Mary and Joseph. You know, <coughs> Joseph and Mary, usually. Probably right, so, but Mary was the mother who carried the, 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 the child. But we know re very little, actually, about the Joseph one. We know that he was a carpenter. Later on, uh, Matthew, don't you turn to it, but Matthew 13, 55, the, the people asked about Jesus, is not this the carpenter's son? And uh, the, the term carpenter could be joiner, woodworker, or it could be mason, stoneworker. And so Joseph was probably a bit of both. If he was a carpenter, he would have to know how to lay bricks to frame the, the, the windows and frame the doors, etc. So he was probably 
of joining the struggle is. That was his profession. It wouldn't have been well paid. It would, they would have been a poor couple. Other than that, there's actually little that we know about his background. We don't even know how old he was. It's generally agreed that Mary was younger. In those days, young girls were about 12 to 13 when they were betrothed to be married. That was part of their culture to protect their, the women of the girls as they grew up. So Mary could have been as young as 12 or 13 at this time. She could have been. It's generally agreed that Joseph was older. Later on, of course, Joseph goes out of the picture. It's thought that he died. Uh, before Jesus went to the cross. There's been speculation that he was anything between 20 and 90. So you can take your pick. The fact is, we don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us. Interestingly, what we do know from those first two chapters of Matthew is that God spoke directly to Joseph in a direct way more than anybody else at that time. Actually, there were four times when God spoke to Joseph directly. Three times through an angel, once when God himself spoke, but and always through a dream. He was very, very privileged. Something many people would have had God speaking like that so clearly. So why, why did the Holy Spirit inspire <coughs> Matthew the author of the gospel, to include Joseph's side of the story. Well, one of the reasons I'm sure was because God has much to tell us and succeeding generations about the journey of faith that Joseph went on. And his, you see, his journey, his biggest journey wasn't from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It was the journey of faith that he experienced, that he travelled along. God was preparing him to be the man of faith that God required to be a godly husband for Mary and a godly father for his son, Lord Jesus. And he was the parent of Jesus as a baby, as a toddler, as a, as a teenager, as he grew up. So this, this was all about God's plan to shape him and God's plan to to mold him into the person, the man that he wanted him to be. Now, we're going to put the spotlight later on on Joseph. But we can't do that without first putting the spotlight, a greater spotlight, on Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't be talking about Joseph this morning. So let's just read again verse 18, chapter 1, Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found the child of the Holy Spirit. Now that gets to the very heart of who Jesus is. It tells us Mary conceived the baby Jesus before they came together. It's a discreet way of saying before they had sexual relations with each other. While Mary was a virgin. And 
in verse 22, 23, Matthew emphasizes that, doesn't he? Now, now all of this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. He's, he's quoting their prophecy from Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, stressing that, that Mary, the mother, was a virgin. And then he goes on to say, again to emphasize this, verse 24, 25, then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took to him his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth the firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. So, Matthew is very clear, the Bible is very clear, and very consistent that when Mary conceived her child, she was a virgin. Now, how was that possible? Well, verse 18 gives us some indication, doesn't it? It says, at the end, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So that the baby conceived in Mary's womb was conceived by the Holy Spirit. How did that happen? I have no idea. I do know it was a miraculous conception. There's never been ever in the history of humanity anything like the conception and then the birth, of course, of Jesus Christ. And I think the danger of it for us is we hear it so often, we, we forget the incredible supernaturalness of this. This was a miracle, a miracle birth, miracle conception. And what this does, this gets to the, the very essence of Christianity and of who Jesus is and to the incarnation. The incarnation is, is God becoming man. So the incarnation is the way what we speak about when God became man. God became a human being. Born of a human mother, so he was fully human. If Jesus had not had a human parent, then he wouldn't have been man at all. But he was not born of a human father. But conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit. So he was fully God. But he wasn't contaminated with Adam's sin. So he had to be a child of a human parent, and he had to be a child of God. Now that was prophesied, wasn't it? Amanda read that, Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, a human child, with a human nature. But unto us a son is given. God, the Son of God. He was fully man and fully God. He was born of a sinner, his mother, yet he was sinless because he was born of God. He was God in a human body. And we've, we've got to get that clear. We, that the whole foundation of our faith is built on that, of our salvation. And the scriptures are perfectly consistent. This is where we get to the inspiration of Scripture, how God overruled and guided even the very little words and the thoughts that were written. <coughs> Did you notice what the angel said in chapter 1, verse 21? 
So speaking to Joseph, the angel said, and she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Now he could have said, you will have a son. That would have been natural, speaking to Joseph. No, you will have a son. That you will be born a son. But no, the Bible is careful not to name Joseph as the father of Jesus. Or as even say that Jesus was his son. So later on in chapter 2, verse 13, it says this. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take your son. No, he didn't say that. Take the young child and his mother. Flee to Egypt. Stay there until I bring you a word. Not take your son and his mother. And so verse 20, chapter 2, verse 20, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother. You see, Joseph is always removed in Scripture from any sense that he was the father of Jesus. Yes, he was the parent who looked after him, but he was not the biological father. If Jesus was just an ordinary man, without a human father, if, he, if Jesus was conceived like every other human being, then the Bible is untrustworthy. It claims he was not. It means that Jesus is not God. And it means that Jesus' claims are not trustworthy because he claimed to be God the Son. And if that's so, Salvation is a hoax. It's just not real. It's not worth having. There's no salvation. There's no hope of anyone's salvation. So Matthew is very clear. He records that God entered our humanity by a human mother, but not a human father. That's, that's a spotlight on Jesus. Now let's go to Joseph. The spotlight on Joseph. Let's go back to chapter 1, verse 18. says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. And his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Mary and Joseph were a betrothed couple. A Jewish betrothal had much more significance than our engagement today. You know the old story of the um, the engaged woman who wrote a letter to an agony aunt saying that she'd just found out that her fiancé had a wooden leg and she wondered if she should break it off. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible, no, it's terrible. You couldn't just break off a relationship, control a relationship. You could not do that. A betrothal was a solemn pledge that involved a contract. And it was a legally binding contract. And that contract was drawn up between usually the two families, the bride and the groom. And it promised marriage. The couple were actually considered as legally married. 
So betrothed couples could break off their engagements without a bill of divorce. So that was needed to terminate that relationship. But betrothed wasn't the same as marriage. There'd be no sexual relationship until after the wedding itself. So in those days, the betrothal period would last between six and twelve months. So during that time, there'd be no physical relationship between the two. In fact, they would live apart. They wouldn't be totally separate. There might be some social interaction. But generally, they would live apart. And in fact, one of the purposes, so I understand, of that betrothal period was to prove the faithfulness and the purity of the bride, of the bride. You know, so if the girl was pregnant, then that would become evident during that time. So during that betrothed period, the couple was still referred to as husband and wife. You know, it was still regarded as marriage, but it wasn't consummated. So that's what Matthew is expressing here. And, he, and as I said before, he does it very discreetly. Verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. But also verse chapter 1, verse 25, he says, And Joseph did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So, can you imagine the shock for Joseph on learning that his betrothed wife, Mary, was pregnant during this betrothal period. What a devastating bombshell that must have been. Up until that point, he had had absolute confidence in her. He knew all about her, that she was a godly woman, she was devout, she was spiritual, she was faithful, she was a woman after her own, his own heart, like someone like himself. And someone he was looking forward to spending the rest of his life with. And suddenly, he finds out that she's expecting someone else's child. So, can you imagine the devastation he must have thought he felt? <clears throat> Especially in that day and in that culture. The shame he must have felt, confusion. The anger, maybe? The sense of betrayal? And not only that, but knowing that everyone would point the finger of suspicion at him, I'm sure gossip would have spread very quickly around that little place. You know? Have you heard what's happened to Mary? Oh, that Joseph. We thought we knew him. You know? Look what's happened. Now, we don't know if Mary tried to talk and explain to him about this. But I, I was trying to imagine Joseph's thoughts, if that was so. It wasn't really her fault, but an angel had appeared to her, and this baby was actually of the Holy Spirit. I just don't think it would wash. Try to explain that to your fiancé. 
And this is where we begin to learn something about the sort of man that Joseph was. Look at verse 19. It says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a what? A just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away. It's another term for divorce. Put her away. Divorce her. Secret. So we find he, he was a just man. The NIV has a righteous man. In other words, jo Joseph was counted as a righteous man before God. Now, this was before the cross, wasn't it? This was before Jesus died. So Joseph was an Old Testament saint, if you like. And he was a man of God, a man of faith. It was accounted to him as righteousness. That's how Old Testament Jews were saved by their faith. So Joseph was a true believer. He was a godly man. He walked in line with God's will and God's, God's law. And because of that, he was concerned to please God above everything else. To do the right thing in God's eyes and obey the law of God. And the just and righteous thing for him to do in the case of adultery, which is how that would have been considered, was to end the relationship, call off the marriage, that was the righteous thing to do. And he would have thought to himself, I can't marry this girl. Even though I care for her, even though I love her, I, I must please God in everything else. I love God the most. I love God more than even my love for Mary. You know, sometimes it is costly, isn't it, to do God's will? It is cost. Sometimes we're, we're put into situations that we feel the pressure, maybe to compromise in some way. Maybe in the area of sexual impurity or purity. Or it might be in our relationships. Or, or it might be compromising with the truth where to lie is easier than to be honest. Or whatever it is, we might cover up something so we, 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 we just, it's the easy way out. And it's costly for us. And it's costly to follow God's way. But you know, there are times, or it might be, you know, you take a day off, off work, off sick to do Christmas shopping. Everybody else does it, so we can do it. But if we are children of light, we cannot do that. We cannot do things that would cause us to walk in the darkness. We put God first. God will honor that. Your blessing, the spiritual blessings, will far outweigh anything else that we might lose through being disobedient. And so Joseph, being a just man, required, went through a legal divorce, or decided on a legal divorce to end marriage because of Mary's adultery. Or so he said. But not only was Joseph a just man, he was a compassionate man. Look at verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. To divorce her secretly. Joseph, you see, Joseph had two alternatives. 
at that time. So one, one alternative was to charge Mary publicly with adultery in a public court, and that would have meant public shame, it would have meant her reputation would be ruined, but his reputation would be preserved, because it was done publicly. That was one alternative, to serve divorce. The alternative was to bring a private divorce on the grounds of adultery before two or three witnesses, usually would be family members. Might be a father and two others. And they would settle the matter privately. And so Joseph, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. You see, he was a kind man. He was a compassionate man. He didn't want to disgrace Mary publicly. He didn't want to humiliate her. I mean, she was already humiliated. I mean, her pregnancy would have meant most likely she would never ever marry as a result of that. In that, in that culture, that was such a harsh thing and a hard thing. But because Joseph was tender-hearted, he didn't want to increase her shame any more than was necessary. So instead of going to an open court and publicly charging her with adultery, publicly, ex publicly exposing her, he decided on the private option. And then we read, verse 20, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of God, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. I don't know where he was. Maybe he was in a chair. Maybe he was at home. Maybe he was lying on his bed and wrestling with these things, thinking about these things. And he fallen asleep when God suddenly intervened and an angel came to him in his sleep, it seems to me. That's what it's implied. And I don't think it was a dream like I might have. This was actually a visitation by an angel in his dream. How, how did an angel get into his dream? I have no idea. But through that dream, an angel appeared to him. And the angel said, then, Jonah, don't be afraid. What has happened is of the Holy Spirit. That child is of the Holy Spirit. So take Mary to be your wife. Verse 24 says, then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Isn't it great? God intervened just at the right time. At the eleventh at the eleventh hour. According to Jewish law, once the divorce had gone through on the grounds of adultery, it could be revoked. The couple couldn't get married again. That was it. The rabbis wouldn't allow that. So God's timing was perfect. It always is. And Joseph, just like Mary did, on hearing the message of the angel, immediately believed it. 
elevate God's direction, no matter how hard it must have been for him to understand it, and how costly it was. You know, the fact that Joseph was prepared to marry Mary would have confirmed to everybody else what they'd been thinking all along in Joseph's trials. That he was the father. He was taking responsibility for her pregnancy. Doing the decent thing. So a cloud of suspicion and shame and, 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 and scandal would have hung over both Mary and Joseph. From that time on, of having an illegitimate child in that culture. And yet Joseph knew that both he and Mary kept themselves pure and faithful. But he couldn't explain that to them. I'm sure he may have tried, but at least in a way that would have been acceptable. I mean, if he hadn't believed probably Mary in the first place, who, who else would? But he trusted God enough. He was willing to accept the stigma he was willing to accept the shame and the embarrassment, whatever the cost, to obey God. One question in my mind, just sort of to bring this to a close. Why did God delay telling Joseph? I mean, would it have saved Joseph all of that hassle and heartache if when the angel had spoke to Mary, that he spoke to Joseph at the same time? Could have done it. That would have been no problem for the angel to do that. That would have saved Joseph so much trouble. Well, I, I would suggest God had some amazing lessons in faith which passed through this. It was a journey he was going on. Lessons which we, he learned because he went through them and he wouldn't have learned if he hadn't had to struggle. It involved him traveling in the dark. That's what faith is, isn't it, sometimes? You just don't know. You, don't, you just do not understand what's happening to you. Put your trust in God. You say, I'm going to trust you, God, through this. I'm sure he would have been crying out to God for wisdom to know what to do. And he had to learn patience. And through Joseph's journey of faith, what was God doing? He was preparing a man to be the human parent of his own dear son, Jesus. A righteous man, a tender-hearted man, a compassionate man, and a man willing to submit to the word of God. And just as just as he'd been preparing that, can you imagine what a wonderful home Jesus would brought up? What a wonderful family. With parents who loved God like were devoted to God. And they were full of faith. A home where God would be worshipped and honoured. A home where the word of God would be central and read and obeyed and believed. What a great environment for any child. That's, that should be our aim, isn't it? Parents, pray for our parents, those are our parents. That that would be environment our children are brought. But God was preparing godly parents. He was very, very careful. And why did the Holy Spirit 
move Matthew to tell us about Joseph? Well, I think because his journey reflects our journey. <coughs> so, you know, many of us take it when it comes to accepting the, the things that we are believing God for. They go beyond sometimes human reasoning, human understanding. And God wants to teach us the lesson of to lean not on our own understanding, but to lean on God in our situations. You know, I think most of us require a journey to learn that. Because we learn it by, we know it by head, in our head that nothing is impossible with God. It's only when we actually step out into the unknown or step out onto into some situation where it's costly and we have to trust God that we actually learn it by experience. What it is with him. And it's a vital lesson for us to learn. God is interested in us just as much as in the journey as in the end destination. God, in our Christian lives, it's the journey that God proves his willing and fashions us and molds us. That's why often he waits in answer to answer our prayers. And sometimes he waits and waits and waits. Our priority is always to have the answer. God's priority is to change you and me and make us into the man that woman of God that he wants to make us. Our priority is usually the meeting of a need or dealing with a shortage or the removal of a problem. God's priority is to sanctify the process, which often involves us going through the difficulty, but learning how to trust God in the dark. And sometimes, just having to be obedient is what God wants for us. So, so the lesson of Joseph, be patient in your situation. Don't ever lose hope. Be patient <coughs> with God. He knows what you're doing. Timing with God is perfect. The process is all part of God's plan to teach us to lean hard on him. So don't worry in those situations. God hasn't left you. He's with you. It's not that God just turns up the last hour, as it were. He's with you. He's with you. to us that Jesus was both man and yet God. So Lord, we thank you for the miracle of the virgin birth. And we thank you Lord not only for that miracle but also when you do your special work, when you do your supernatural work, you look for ordinary, humble, trusting, people like Mary and Joseph. And we pray, Lord, that we would also be always ready and usable for whatever you want to do through us. Lord, we thank you that you do choose weak things to confound the mighty. And Lord, we have nothing to offer 
almighty God. And yet you choose to take what we offer you. To be used by you. So Lord help us we pray to learn. In our own situations. Whatever we go through. Day by day. To trust you. Even though we might not understand things. And Lord to always seek to put you first. To seek that kingdom of God first. Help us Lord to be honest. Help us, Lord, to be pure. Help us, Lord, not to give in to the temptations that are so quickly, we so quickly give in to salt. Help us to be strong. Help us, Lord, not to lose our integrity. Lord, in any way, whatever area we, we battle with in our Christian lives, give us the strength to always be true to your word. Lord, may it be so that everyone here would come to know the same precious Lord Jesus who came to save us from our sins. And in knowing him to become humble, submissive, trusting and available for you to do your work through them in this world. And we will give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. We're going to sing a temporary carol we worship a wonderful Saviour. We'll speak to the Emmanuel, not